The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place. But today, we want you to be careful where you're running and what you're holding in your hands when you're running. Let me just leave that sit there for a second. So, the buzz on the street is a quote from Bob Newhart. Yes, 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 George Robert Bob Newhart, born September 5th, 1929, American stand-up comedian and actor noted for his deadpan, slightly stammering delivery. He had a couple of books that are also, that are both on the Billboard number one and number two spots for comedy albums and a TV show and yada, yada. Here is the quote. It will explain why I opened as I did. It's getting harder and harder to differentiate between schizophrenics and people talking on a cell phone. It's still brings me up short to walk by somebody who appears to be talking to themselves. Amen, modern technology. So what are we talking about today? Mobile technology. Dangerous or delightful or a little bit of both. Let me explain a little bit more. Fast-evolving mobile technology is improving our lives every day. Come on, you rely on it. You've got a cell. You've got some kind of a tablet. You are able to communicate, to query anywhere, any time of the day or night with anyone or anything things becoming chatbots and robots more and more. It's delightful, but is it putting you in danger? Let me give you a, a, a idea here, a quick scenario. And I wanted to open the show by singing. I know, not to sing, Bonnie, please. By singing, there she was just a walking down the street, texting on her cell phone and listening to tweets. But I didn't sing it, so you didn't hear that. So here, while you're driving or you're walking... You want to find a restaurant. You've got six friends who are ready to join you. Somebody's celebrating something, and you're going to find that restaurant. Oh, this is great. The reviews are great. You're getting travel directions, walking directions, car directions. You're forwarding it to your posse. Everybody's real happy. They're all going to meet. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're kind of mobile absorbed. Somebody wheels something out onto the sidewalk or into the street in front of your car or your person, and you are injured or something is damaged. Oh, my goodness. What are you going to use your mobile tech for next? Siri, where is the nearest hospital, insurance agent, or tow truck, or repair garage. Okay, so we had delightful and we had dangerous. We'll find out what that balance is from our panel of extraordinary experts today. I'm setting them up for great success here. First up, in a moment, I will introduce you to Gavin Quinn, the founder and chief technologist at a company called Mindset, and we'll ask him to tell us what they do. Joining him on the panel is Scott Stedman, Senior Director, Mobile, of Innovations at SAP Lab. LLC and joining us the third person on the panel is Pun Punkaj, I'm going to be very careful to pronounce that, P-A-N-K-A-J Kumar, product manager for the SAP Cloud Platform, and he calls himself a lifelong tinkerer, and we'll find out more about that. So let's circle back around to the head of the table to Gavin Quinn. 
Gavin has sent us a quote from the movie Clerks 1994. Look it up. Uh, I don't even know who the actors were, but the key, key parts in it were Dante Hicks character and Randall Graves. Randall has one L. I found that interesting. Dante is a 22-year-old retail clerk at a quick stop convenience store in Leonardo, New Jersey. He's called into work on his day off by his boss to cover a few hours for an employee who is sick. He finds the security shutters are jammed, closed with chewing gum, and he puts a sign out. I assure you, we're open. So he passes the time in conversation with his best friend, Randall, who is supposed to be next door at the video store and would rather spend the time chatting about the universe with Dante. Here is the quote. Gavin, I hope I set that up. Okay, here is the quote Gavin has selected from Dante to Randall. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when it was destroyed by the rebels. Oh, my. Gavin Quinn, how could you? <laughs> Welcome to the show, Gavin. Talk to me. How are you? Yeah, thanks so much, Bonnie. I'm thrilled to be on here today. Um, so, yeah, this quote, any way I can weave in uh, a Kevin Smith movie or, or Clerks, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that. But where does it relate to what we're talking about today? So what I think is really interesting about this quote is, you know, most people will watch uh, Star Wars and think, well, Han Solo is really cool. You know, they admire Yoda. But what, what's fun about this is, you know, Dante and Randall are looking at it from a different perspective. They're looking at, you know, hey, what about the technology that built the Death Star? What are the, you know, repercussions of that? And they're thinking about, you know, the safety of the people on board and, and how this technology could really disrupt things. And so, um, you know, I think it's an interesting segue to the topic today, uh, you know, where mobile technology could be dangerous. What are the side effects of all that technology? So, you know, with any new technology, you know, it's, it's going to disrupt norms. You know, um, for example, uh, Donald Trump on Twitter, <laughs> it's, it's uh, definitely disrupting the norms and, and the, sort of the side effects of, of what uh, Twitter could be causing. So anyway, uh, I've been helping build, you know, just hundreds of these uh, mobile apps and mobile sort of innovations for, for some of the world's largest companies. And, you know, we think a lot about the side effects of these applications. Mm-hmm. So happy to discuss that today. Thank you very much, Gavin. I, I have never heard of the movie Clerks. I certainly was around in 1994. I hope I set it up properly. Will you forgive me for singing Do I Diddy Diddy in the beginning? Will you forgive me for that, Gavin? Please say yes. <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. It made me oh! <laughs> You made my day. Yes, what did they say? Don't ask for permission. Do what you want to do and ask for forgiveness later. I have been redeemed. Thank you very much. Pleasure to speak with you. And now let me introduce Scott Stedman at SAP Labs. And Scott is quoting Dr. Maya Angelou. Come on, you've been hiding under a rock, kids. You know she was born Marguerite Annie Johnson. Ha! That's interesting. She was an American poet, memoirist, and civil rights activist, an actor, a director, a producer of plays, movie, and public TV programs. She wrote a series of seven autobiographies focusing on her childhood and early adult experiences. And the one she's most famous for, I believe, is I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, published in 1969. little background you may not know. Scott, you may not know this. Maya became a poet and writer after a series of occupations in her young adult life. She was a fry cook, a sex worker, a nightclub dancer and performer, a cast member of the opera Porgy and Bess, a coordinator for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and a journalist in Egypt and Ghana during the colonization of Africa. And she received a lifetime Reynolds Professorship of American Studies at Wake Forest University in North Carolina in 1982. Quite the lady. And here is her quote Scott has selected. We may encounter many defeats, but we must not 
be defeated. Scott Stedman, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you? I'm great. How are you? And again, thank you for having me today. Delighted. We have to do a shout out to Brad Borkin at SAP at the Strategic Partners Group, a marketing group who put together this wonderful panel. So thank you to Brad. I know he's busy and can't be listening right now, but uh, he is responsible. So shout out to Brad and thank you. So Scott, tell me, are you a big fan of Maya Angelou's? I love the quote. And how does it relate to our topic? I'm a huge fan of Maya Angelou. She's sort of been, um, from her inner poetry, been through my life a couple times. And in particular, this quote has come up many, many times through my college entrance exams, as well as just exams in general. But in in today's sort of situation where everything's moving so quickly, um, we see uh, a lot of startup companies coming and going, even through dot-com era, such companies as WebFan have um, come and gone. And one of the things that's interesting throughout the whole thing is they look at it from the perspective of, hey, let's fail fast. And then this way we can sort of learn from that failure, pick up our, pick ourselves up, and then move forward. And so with mobile today, we have to sort of achieve the same sort of mentality. Find the issues first, right? And these are sort of the failures. We don't quit. We just basically find them and then figure out how do we learn from these and then how do we improve what that is. Now, this doesn't prevent, you know, sort of the idiot scenario coming in, but at the same time, it does help us put things into perspective about how we can move forward. And that's always what I'm always looking at. How do I continue to move forward and be successful at some point? Thank you. So so, so let's put this in context of uh, the Dua Diddy Diddy gal walking down the street booking the restaurant and the parking lot and sending it to her, her friends and everybody saying, wow, you're really terrific. Look, we can't wait to see you for dinner. It's been so long. And boom, she or car runs smack into something. So must not be defeated. Is that is that the delightful part where the, the mobile phone will help her find that hospital or that, I don't know, that mobile repair shop for her car? Is it, I want to put the danger just opposed to the to the uh, delightfulness Scott what do you think is that the part about not being defeated and keeping on using your mobile what do you think well it's actually something more about what my mom said is you know sometimes you're walking through the museum you're so interested in the art that's in or behind the glass you forget to notice what's around you and this sort of took place when I was at the Vatican um, in Rome and you're walking through to get to that final um, Sistine Chapel at the end but take an opportunity to notice and look up, right? And so that's sort of what I would take as the learning from that. Don't just be focused on the device and the screen in front of you, but take the opportunity to look up, not just the, um, the aftermath of, hey, I got hit by a car, but then maybe I should have been looking up more instead of just focusing on it or what someone else said to me at one point, take a second to stop. Okay. Take a, you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I think you mentioned Vatican. You've seen people in museums for years just staring and completely oblivious to everything, and they didn't have a cell phone in their hand. So we said corrected on that. Scott, thank you. When were you at the Vatican, by the way? Uh, probably about four years ago. I bet it was quite an experience, yes? <laughs> it, was. it was. We were literally doing exactly what I said you shouldn't do. We were rushing through to get to the Sistine Chapel to, before our flight left. <laughs> it was kind of interesting, but not the way I want to do that again. I can imagine. I heard recently that a group of photographers, digital photographers, spent a total of 65 days and nights over a period of three years 
photographing the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel and that they have compiled what's basically shots that are so close up that it's like real size, real scale, and they're publishing a book. Don't ask me where or when, but it was on the news here in New York about a month ago. They're publishing a book that will cost, ready for this, kids? Save up your shekels, $13,000 a copy. Wow. Yeah, let's just leave that at a wow. So, if you, you know, yeah, okay. No cell phones in the Sistine Chapel. Thank you. And now let's welcome our third panelist. He is Pankaj Kumar, product manager for the SAP Cloud Platform and a lifelong tinkerer, and we'll find out what he's tinkering with. And Pankaj has sent us a quote from Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Anybody who doesn't know Douglas Adams, Douglas Noel Adams, English author, script writer, essayist, humorist, satirist, and dramatist, lived from 1952 to 2001. He wasn't old at all. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which can be shorthanded as HD2G or HHGTTG or H2G2, is a comedy science fiction series he created originally a broadcast on BBC Radio in 1978. It's been adapted to the stage, to novels, comic books, a TV series, a computer game, and a feature film. Let me just tell you, the broad narrative follows the misadventures of the last surviving man, Arthur Dent, following the demolition of planet Earth by a Vogon constructor fleet to make way for a hyperspace bypass. Wow. Here's the quote Pankaj has selected. A common mistake that people make when trying to design something completely foolproof is to underestimate the ingenuity of complete fools. I love the quote. Punkadge, how are you? Welcome to the show. How are you? I haven't met you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So welcome to Coffee Break. Doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so that is my favorite quote. And um, as a lifelong thinker, you work with a lot of gadgets throughout your life. I mean, I have a museum of uh, gadgets that have gone out of uh, circulation. So what you notice is that designers design these things in certain ways. They have certain personas in their mind, but they never think of all the things that people can do with their phones or uh, with the gadget they are designing. So since our topic today is about mobile phones, so there's a very useful um, feature on these phones, the Touch ID. So nice, right? I mean, I'm driving, a call comes in, easy to uh, unlock my phone uh, and start talking. So that's, that's a really nice feature, but who would have thought that people would be, you know, unlocking mm-hmm. this with their uh, cat paws or uh, dog feet? I mean, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> then... Uh, the fool, I mean, the complete fools is a little strong word, but there are real-life implications of these two when designers don't think of uh, all the scenarios. Um, my wife is a pharmacist, so she works with lots of uh, uh, chemicals, and I had set up this touch ID on her phone, and then after a few days, like, no, 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 I don't like it. I'm like, why? Mm. Because she's always wearing these gloves, and you can't really unlock it when you are working with the glove. So That's it's right. hard to think of all the scenarios. That, that was the basis of this code. 
Very interesting. I have to share another quote with you used on another one. We have 14 Game Changers radio series currently in production, uh, Punk Hedge, and on one of them, a guest likes to quote somebody named Grady Booch. I don't know if any of you ever heard of him, B-O-O-C-H. And the quote, yeah, I, yeah. it's, it's, yes, and the quote is a fool with a, a, a fool with a tool is still a fool. Same thing? <laughs> 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 I think we can let that one go. Yes, we can. Anyway, I'm, I'm delighted to speak with the three of you. We have a lot of good energy here and uh, all kinds of scenarios. I'm sure we can come up with case studies, and one or more of us may have been the, the guilty party bumping into something or being bumped into while we were walking and talking and texting and tweeting and Facebooking and all those good things and Instagramming and Pinteresting. I just turned them all into verbs. Excuse me. So we want to talk right now about where you are. This is the up-close-and-personal part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today. I just want to know where you are, but please, in the interest of what's remaining of our human privacy, don't give me the Google coordinates of the roof of your house or your office. We don't want to get that close to you. And what are you drinking right now if it makes you smile? If not, what would you rather be drinking? Gavin Quinn, talk to us. <laughs> well, well, I'm drinking a cup of riffraff coffee from Spyho. So uh, I, I've got three young kids at home, including a newborn. So, you know, I basically just inject coffee into my veins all day long. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, it's beautiful. Apparently, it, it's supposed to taste like brownie oatmeal cookie and banana split. Um, but uh, anyway, it just makes me happy. Oh, my goodness. Riff, Riff Raff Coffee. I'm looking it up here. I like to do the Riff Raff Cafe on Foursquare. There's a Riff Raff Coffee Mugs, Coffee with the Riff Raff on City Strolls, Seasonal Beer. There's a Riff Raff Brewing Company, Riff Raff, the Outlaw Coffee Oatmeal Stout. Are we talking beer or coffee here, Gavin? <laughs> well, this is coffee, but, <laughs> you know, who knows? It may make for a nice beer as well. Well, they're calling it now, they're calling it the Riff Raff, the Outlaw, not outlaw. Outlaw coffee oatmeal stout. Wow, you got to look that one up. That's that's uh, yeah, that's a very interesting one. Okay, well, nice to speak to you, and congratulations and Mazel Tov on the newcomer to your family household. Very happy for you. And now let's Thank turn you. to Scott Stedman. You're welcome, Scott. Where are thou, and what are you drinking, or what do you wish you were drinking? So I'm actually in the Oakland Bay Area, um, in California, and I am. Story. Traditionally, I'm drinking a Pete's Coffee, but um, well, fortunately for me, I have quite a few friends that work for Pete's Coffee, so I don't necessarily, I can't necessarily stray too far from the pack on that one. Otherwise, there will be some bruising and some bludgeoning that will take place. But yes, yeah, it actually is one of my favorite coffees. I've been drinking it for about 16 years. Oh, uh, what flavor? Pete's has a lot of flavor. What's your, what's your favorite <laughs> brew flavor? Or color or um, strength or anything? What? Arabian Mocha Java is my favorite, and unfortunately, it contains this tsunami bean, which is very expensive, but it is well worth it. it is, for me, it's so good. It has so much robust flavor. It has a little bit of chocolate to it, and yeah, it's one of my favorites in the morning when I can get it. It's not always the one that's in my cup, but it is one of my favorites. I usually save it for like Christmas or New Year's. That sounds great. And I have to tell everyone, if you're looking up pizza out of this recommendation from Scott Stedman, that it's P-E-E-T, apostrophe S, not P-E-T-E-S. And the Arabian Mocha slash Java goes for sixteen ninety five a pound. And according to Scott Stedman, it's worth every penny. But don't bring it into the Vatican when you're in a hurry on a quick tour. I think we, I think we can say that. Don't walk and drink coffee and be on the phone at the same time around any precious artwork. It's just not going to make you favorable in favorable stead to anybody who's there. And now let's, thank you, Scott. Let's turn to Pankaj Kumar. Where are you and what makes you happy in your cup? 
Sure. So I'm about 30 miles away from Scott in Bay Area, San Francisco. Uh, what makes me happy in the morning or evenings is a cup of chai, or as it's popularly known over here as uh, chai tea latte. And the favorite way I have is uh, it's self-made, so I made it this morning with ginger and cardamom infused, so pretty, mm. pretty nice smelling. Sounds delicious, and it sounds healthy, and yes, we do hear about uh, chai tea all the time on the show, and I'm happy that you're drinking something that sounds amazingly healthy. There's, that's, uh, there's no caffeine in that, is there, Punkaj? There is caffeine in it, and I Just did, a uh, little? Now, now I'm going back to my tinkler side, so I did a little project in my high school to measure the caffeine content in different brands of chai. Uh, it's about, you can say, one-tenth of what a coffee cup would have. I think I knew that, yes. And and by the way, I think people think that uh, what, what, there's a bit of study also on the amount of caffeine in espresso shots, and it's much less than in a regular cup of coffee. I think people are surprised at how much they're getting in a regular brew. As for me, my friends, dear gentlemen on the panel today, they don't allow me to have caffeine on radio show days. I think you know why, okay? I have too much going on here. Four computer screens and a tie line and a cell phone I'm not using and a tablet and and all kinds of things. So all I have here in my cup is a cool, clear mug of cool, clear water with a pink straw because I'm thrilled and delighted that the snow seems to be dissipating here in New York as I'm on the East Coast and the sun is out. It's very, very cold today, but it's a beautiful day and the gods are smiling on us. So thrilled to be here on Coffee Break with Game Changers with our three esteemed panelists. We're talking about mobile technology. Come on, everyone. If you're walking and listening to the show, sit down somewhere, relax, put your phone down, put it on speaker, tell everybody around you, it's okay. These are really smart people on the radio and you got to hear what's going on because we could save you from an accident from being a complete fool with your mobile technology. That's what you're going to say if anybody complains about being on speaker. Mobile technology, dangerous versus delightful. Is there a balance? Are we willing to take the danger with the delight? We're going to find out a lot more when we come back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Kevin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Indeed, here we are talking about mobile tech. You probably have some of it in your hand or in your purse or your briefcase or your knapsack, whatever you're carrying. Mobile tech, dangerous versus delightful. You could be willing to have a combination of both for the convenience. So let's talk to our panel here. Gavin Quinn, founder and chief technologist at Mindset. Gavin, 60-second overview. What exactly does Mindset do? And you're the founder. When did the company come into being? Great. Yeah. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, so Mindset, we, we work on really digital solutions with large enterprise. So uh, the topic of mobile is, is sort of right in the mix there. And, you know, where does mobile and IoT and all these sort of unique, new, exciting digital technologies solve problems for big companies? So, you know, it could be a new app that uh, makes a plant run or, you know, for truck drivers to use. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's the area that we're working Okay, thank you very much. And we chatted during the break, and here's where I'm going to pull a couple of interesting statements from your notes you sent me before the show, Gavin, to start off our roundtable. So let me read a couple of pieces here, and then you can expand. Then we'll invite Scott and Punkedge to add their POV. So you say technology has always had enhanced capabilities, enhanced consequences problems. Technology has always served humans, making our lives better in many ways. Let's take it from there. And and let's talk a little bit about the consequences and the downside. Gavin, please talk to us. Sure. Well, as you talked earlier, you know, cell phones are much more broadly used, and people are using them in all sorts of different ways. And, of course, a cell phone's a great, great device. But, you know, for example, a, a really clear consequence that everybody's aware of is the effects of texting while driving. Um, I just pulled up a stat from the National Safety Council. It says 1.6 million crashes each year are attributed to cell phone use. Um, I mean, that, that's incredible. It's one in four car accidents. And so, you know, we have these new technologies like phones um, that, that will keep evolving and, and creating better user experiences, um, and they're going to have consequences just like this. And it's going to just take a little bit better uh, innovation constantly on these devices to sort of fix those problems, but it doesn't mean that they're useful. Um, sort of on, on a funnier side, when I was looking up... Uh, ideas for for this segment here i was looking around on youtube and i don't know if anybody's seen the video but there's this incredible <laughs> video of a woman walking through a mall uh, texting and uh, you watch this clip and she's texting and walking straight through and uh, water fountains right in front of her and eventually just get drops head first in the water fountain and just the uh. look on her face is just hilarious <laughs> and i don't know anybody who who watches that without just breaking into hysterics is is uh, i don't know it's beyond me so um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting technology to fix that. You know, the phone um, happens to be a problem for people walking around because they're looking down. Well, you know, perhaps other mobile scenarios are able to fix that problem of looking down. Maybe it's um, audio solutions, you know, maybe listening to things through ear pods or, you know, maybe it's augmented reality. So there, there's going to be a lot of unique ways to do it or to fix the problem. Thank you. And we're going to talk about some of those. Gavin, welcome again. Scott Stedman, love to get your POV point of view on what Gavin just used to used to open our roundtable. What do you think? Well, from my perspective, I said, you know, before, this is a very dangerous portion of it. We're texting while driving. Um, and I 
I am actually one of those guilty parties of when I first got the phone, and this is long before we had smartphones, and you were doing multiple um, letters per number on your phone to do texting. The first time mm-hmm. I experienced it, noticed the sort of drifting that was happening while I was doing my one and a half hour commute to work at the time, and I sort of learned my lesson at that point that I just need to put the phone down. But then on top of that, more and more reporting. And this is before we had issues, but like even last year, there there was big reports um, in the Wall Street Journal or in February. I think it was in 2016 around texting while walking. As Gavin mm-hmm. mentioned, there were issues there where people were just running into things. And then um, I think New York Times did a whole um, thing in January 2012. I remember like a movie or something along those lines where they were they were basically video. Uh, recording people walking down the street, and I think there's a YouTube on it, uh, of basically texting while walking. So you combine those things together, and you've got sort of the dangerous component. But I would also add that even sort of more of a fun scenario that I've experienced is like during a trivia game at a bar with your friends, and they say, you know, you can look up anything on your phone, finding that answer. I had the unlucky opportunity of being caught while doing that, and I had to buy a round of beer for about 20 or 30 <laughs> So <laughs> the dangers are, are, you know, sort of myriad of them, but I think on top of that, as I just mentioned, the ability to look up information is kind of key. Even like what you've done today on, on the radio station with us is like being able to look up the piece and the price of uh, the coffee, being able to look up refresh coffee. Having that information at your fingertips is key. So yep. for me, it's, a, it's definitely a delight to have that information. And then the other side of it is, you know, from a business perspective, um, being able to have that information in your hands while you're in a farm uh, sort of situation, you're in a field of corn, and you're trying to talk to a farmer about um, bringing in um, some corn seed, <clears throat> as an example, and or talking to them about the rain that they've had and how dry their soil might be and how much more water they might have and sort of scheduling a sprinkler system around that that sort of now shows you the other delightful side of it. And I think, you know, to Pankaj's point earlier, the fool's scenario, we don't know what they're going to do, and being able to learn from what we've already discovered and figuring out how do we now manage this and how do we educate people um, about the use of it. And maybe we just haven't entered this into the classroom yet with students um, with regards to usage of the device, and maybe it's not even in the classroom, maybe it's parents. And some of this is starting to take place now where I hear my friends who have kids saying, you only get two to five minutes of um, LCD time today or or, um, a tablet time today, if you would, because kids just seek it out. Um, and it's kind of amazing how they quickly learn how to use these devices and even outperform us on those devices as we get a little bit older. So absolutely, that's where I see absolutely. the combination of the peril and, and basically the light. Interesting. And while you were talking, I was looking up uh, texting while walking statistics, and I found an interesting article on NPR.org. And I'll just tell you the title is Texting While Walking, Are You Cautious or Clueless? And they did a uh, create created an experimental obstacle course, had 30 people walk through it first without their phones and then with their phones while they were asked to solve a complex math problem on their mobile phones. And interestingly enough, most of them were able to circumnavigate any danger th- dangerous points in this 
this obstacle course, they raised their feet higher to get onto a curb than they normally did. They went around things and they walked more slowly. So 30 people found that, uh, however, uh, a professor at Ohio State University from a different study found that people on cell phones are 48% more likely to walk unsafely, here we go, into oncoming traffic. I don't even want to read the rest of this article. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I can't go there. So thank you, Scott. Pankaj Kumar, love to have your thoughts on this, please. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm with uh, both uh, Scott and Gavin on, I mean, it's uh, delight as well as dangerous. Um, I got my first phone around uh, 1999 or uh, 2000. And, uh, of course, at that time, you're not that aware. So you are talking, I mean, yeah, I can talk while driving. And then one of my friends pointed this, that when you are driving and talking, you try to remember what you saw. Like, if you have passed, like, one mile, try to remember what you did during that mile. And surprise, surprise, I couldn't remember, like, you are just going like a zombie. I mean, you know what's the car in front of you, and that's that's a very, very dangerous state to be in. Uh, so I learned my lesson over there and uh, have my hands free or whatnot. But at the same time, I mean, mobile technology is a delight. Uh, uh, as a, you can, you can, uh, for example, if I'm in a country, let's say I'm in, a, I, I used to go to Colombia for business and. I don't speak Spanish at all, and I would mm-hmm. see these phrases, and I I can't I don't know what they are. Uh, it's it's uh, I but with Google Goggles as a small application, you could just point your phone at it. It would take a photo, upload it to Google, and come back with uh, the translation of that. And that made my life very very easy over there. So on both fronts, it's a, it's a delight as well as dangerous. We uh, but like all things like. Uh, if we go really, really far back with when the new modes of transportation came in, I mean, we can say that diseases started spreading faster, be it anything, be it rails, be it uh, uh, airplanes. Uh, but then, then we worked around it. There are ways in which technologies uh, are, are limited to what, so that they are delights. Thank you very much. Let's circle back around the table to Gavin Quinn. Gavin, any other thoughts on this part of our discussion before I move on to something in Scott's notes? Yeah, well, just a couple of thoughts. One, Pankaj, the Google goggles, agree, those are, those are really cool. Um, I definitely enjoy that sort of virtual reality experience that they provide. But no, just looping back on one thing that Scott said, um, you know, it's really talking about you know, using your phones around friends um, and sort of the implications to sort of your, your social setting. You know, I think that's an interesting topic. We, we're talking here a little bit about, you know, the delight and the danger, but what about sort of these changing social norms? You know, over, you know, the last thousand years, we've had, you know, a very slow adoption of new communication patterns. So from, for example, paper to, you know, phone to email and then now to Snapchat. But Today, things are changing so much more quickly, and what are the implications of that? So you mentioned it's a little embarrassing to be on your phone you know, in a bar setting, but I've got an Apple Watch, as I probably I'm guessing some other people on the phone here and probably other viewers also have some of these new uh, smartwatches. But uh, you know, what happens now when you get sort of tapped constantly when you're in the middle of a meeting? Will you kind of slowly try to glance at your watch, and what's the implications of that? Are you annoying the people around you? Um, you know, I, I know that my <laughs> wife will give me some... 
unpleasant looks if I do look at my watch during, you know, some sort of church or an event or something where it's inappropriate to look at it. But, uh, you know, I think that's another interesting topic that just layers into this. Very interesting. New communications patterns. Very interesting. And yes, and, and it used to be said, um, Gavin and, and Scott and, and Punk Hedge, it used to be said that when you went into a restaurant, you could tell if a couple was married for more than, let's say, 10 years, if they just sat, looked at the food, ate the food, and didn't talk to each other, didn't even make eye contact. Today, if you go into a restaurant, there's a good chance that anywhere from the, the eight or nine-year-old at the table, maybe even the four-year-old, has a mobile device, and they're not talking to each other. But they may be talking to each other via text because it could be a crowded, noisy restaurant. I had that uh, family dinner at a restaurant about two years ago here on Long Island, and the table next to us, close to us, had some extremely loud talkers. So noisy, we couldn't even hear ourselves think. We could barely read the menu. And I asked the waiter, can something be done? You know, it's nice to be in a restaurant having a good time, but oh my. And the waiter said to us, sorry, that's the owner and her family and friends at that table. We can't say a word. So at that point, my granddaughters and my son and his wife and I and my daughter, my mom didn't have a, a textable cell phone, uh, but we I shared her, my phone with my mom. We were texting each other. OMG, do you believe the noise? Should we leave? What are we going to do? What are you ordering? Do you really think the lobster is good here? So we communicate by mobile at the same table. What do you think of that, Gavin? Interesting? <laughs> well, I think it's, no, it's interesting, but it's more and more common today. You know, when yeah. you look at people in school, you know, kids, you know, they constant just instant messing to each other, you know, rather than talk. And, you know, it's a little bit, you know, you want to make fun of them and say, hey, why don't you have a real conversation? But they on are. the other side of things, you know, it is a new form of communication. You know, texting is... You know, it's discreet. You can do it very quickly without letting people around you sort of know what you're saying. So there's some, some interest there. And it's quick. You know, you can get a response in two seconds and you can get it out to 50 people. And you never used to be able to do things like that. So, you know, while it's a little bit um, sort of disruptive to, to traditional social norms, it's, it's innovative. And, and it's, you know, it, I think it just represents a changing way that we're going to keep communicating with people. Exactly. And communicating. Yes, go ahead. Sure. Who's that? This is Scott. So, um, you know, I've worked in, uh, when I was in college for about 15 years, I was in, um, not, I was not in college for 15 years, but I was in the food service <laughs> for 15 years uh, before and during college. And one of the things I find interesting now that I see, which is, which for me is, is missing, is that sort of, um, you know, and it, it happens in bars where, you, where everybody's talking and it's loud and it's great. And then in restaurants where, where the kids are sort of texting and tweeting back and forth, is that there's this less of this engagement, but then on top of that with texting, there is an emotion that's lost, and, and also lost in translation really applies, where you see, I see a lot of friends who get very upset, and they see a text from someone that's just starting to date, and then they misinterpret it with sarcasm, and certain things don't come across well, and this is where some of the emojis come in to help, but the reality is that there is not, not that engagement that we used to see. When I was, you know, what you said before is very true, in many cases, the, uh, people who've been together 20, 30 years, they sort of just focus on the food and there isn't a lot of conversation. But then now when you go out and you see the couple on their first date, and then you can sort mm-hmm. of tell maybe about how the date's going, whether they're on their phone a lot. But now it's, yes. it's gone beyond that, where basically, even if it's going well, they're still on their phones a lot. And it's sort of unappreciative of the person across from them. But now That's it's just right. accepted. And even adding to that is 
they may have actually had that phone at some point in time in the bathroom with them using it, and now they're putting it on the table. And yes. that, to me, is another paradigm <laughs> that I would bring into this. I was yeah. a long time ago on a on a first date with somebody I met online many few years ago, and uh, dinner was going well enough, and I excused myself and went to the ladies' room. I had my cell phone with me, and he was texting me and saying, "Are you having a good time?" I, said, I didn't know. He was like fifty feet away at the table outside the restroom, and I said to myself, "Seriously, he can't even let me have two minutes alone." We've been talking for an Anyway, I just thought that was a little much of a communications pattern. I appreciated it, but it was like, okay, just, you know, just let's take a break here for 30 seconds. Anyway, Scott Stedman, you were talking, and I'm going to pick up a conversational topic here from your roundtable list. Uh, let me just read a little bit. Let's get into the business aspects of it. You say many corporations are seeing their workforce, you say, slowly being replaced by millennials. I think we left slowly behind a long time ago. It's like 50% of the workforce. And many are racing to bring mobile devices and a great user experience to the workplace. But Scott adds the following. This will have an impact as we see long-haul trucking companies, shipping companies, repair companies, and the like that want to take advantage of real-time traffic data, mapping, routing applications, as well as geolocation data to track and guide drivers to the next destination. So let's, Scott, please put this in the context of uh, cautious, clueless, delightful, dangerous. How does this all stack up? Go ahead, Scott. So, I mean, from a cautious standpoint, there's a paradigm within the companies where we see they put in place a policy that says to their drivers, you cannot touch your phone or your mobile device while you're driving. Even if they're a contractor with a company, it's just part of the rules and policies they have in place. And if you do that, then you're ultimately responsible. But then from the company side, it's very important that they're sort of protecting themselves and their goodwill that's out there, that they're not encouraging their drivers to do it. So it's very important. But then on top of that, in many cases, the companies we're working for are looking to provide a very efficient way for them to go from point A to point B. So looking at um, a company that might supply potato chips or chips or sodas or something uh, along those lines in your supermarket, right? And they want to be able to stock the truck so the, the, the driver will use the app. Um, that they've been given by the company to stock the truck appropriately in an efficient manner so that when they go to store one, the first thing off the truck is store one and then so on and so forth. But then how they get from the distribution center to the store and how they guide them on their route from point A to point B, those things are very are done very efficiently so to save on fuel. And then also, even when they get to the store, the app will guide them in proper you know, organizing of the shelves as well. It's, so when you go into a supermarket and you look at the shelves, that's not by accident. <laughs> that's completely planned. So the app and the end user are being much more interfaced together closely. And this aligns to, um, this is not something new, but what we see is now we switch from these sort of older devices from Windows or from a green screen device that are sort of more text-oriented to the smartphone, and uh, we see that now there's a lot more interaction that the end user could have while they have the device. And on top of that, it provides some pictures and screens and things that they can see. This is what millennials expect, is um, based upon um, some of the reading that I've done, is that they expect to have a phone with an app and something in their hand. They don't want to necessarily work with a text-based system. And then on top of that, how do we interact between um, the driver and the device while they're moving down the road, and maybe because their eyesight's not perfect, 
how do they actually look mm-hmm. at that map? How do they see that information um, on, a, on a smaller screen when there could be some distance between the two? Where should I make my turn? How should I make my turn? I mean, I don't know about you, but when my um, maps device says 1,000 feet, I'm not really sure exactly how far 1,000 feet is or half a mile is in distance with regards to some things. I actually have to look to see um, on the physical map where, where am I going to turn? How soon is it? Because if you're in the inner city, getting from the far right-hand lane to the far left-hand lane to make that left-hand turn, um, you actually require some time, especially like in New York City, because traffic could just be backed up, and it could take you several minutes to sort of weave your way over and negotiate through all the taxi cabs and everything else. Very well put. Yeah, we won't get into taxi cabs. It's a whole other story, whole whole other <laughs> yeah. communication story. Um, yeah. So I'd love to have uh, Punkhead comment on what Scott just started, and then we'll also go around the table to Gavin. So, Monsieur Kumar, what do you think? No, certainly uh, these are modern problems to have. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, technology keeps moving at a relentless pace. So we are seeing these uh, uh, driverless cars coming up, and uh, uh, you know, they make me scared. I mean, one of the biggest profession uh, this country has is, I mean, if you look at, uh, there are these uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter memes going around, which links to these articles, and it's uh, uh, the biggest profession by numbers is is trucking. And when when you go towards driverless car, what happens to that? So that, that's a scary picture. But at the same time, um, I mean, go, coming back to present, where we are using these maps, these they they are improving day by day. I mean, we have ways uh, which which allows you to circumvent. I mean, because it's a crowdsourced application, so you know, yes, there is thousand feet, and then there is a big uh, buildup of traffic uh, in the front. Uh, so that's that's a good thing. Uh, it's a lot of improvement over the scenarios. Um, I was a consultant back in 2000, and there was uh, 1999 era. So at that time, there were no maps like this, and GPSs were, like, super, super expensive. So my improvised solution was that I had these uh, offline maps on on my uh, laptop, and mm-hmm. I would go to these cities. I mean, I still remember in Chicago, I forgot, like, where do I go? So... I pulled over to a side, opened up my laptop, and looked at, okay, it looks like this is this street and that street. And, uh, uh, okay, now I can find out directions from here. So we have come a long way from there. But, again, newer technologies make things easier as well as difficult. So I I live in Fremont over here in California. Mm -hmm. And um, what happens is that there is, uh, when the traffic clogs up on the highway, uh, the, these apps would start redirecting drivers into the inner city streets. So now you will see that, yes, the highway is uh, uh, clogged, and now the drivers who have to go through that highway have started coming in, inside the city. And that clogs up the inner smaller roads as well. So, again, going to delight and... Uh, a little bit inconvenient at the, <laughs> at the same time. 
Interesting. Thank you very much. Let's circle around to Gavin. Gavin, thoughts on truckers or any other profession that needs geolocation data on a small screen? And is it really on a small screen? Don't they have some kind of a uh, an embedded tablet in the dashboard, or is it still going to be a very small screen? What's your thought? Well, yeah, I mean, so to uh, layer on to Scott's comments, I think it's it's sort of interesting. So I'm actually working on transportation applications right now, and of all of the last year that I've worked with them, I don't think I've met a single millennium <laughs> millennial. So I don't know if that's that's a hot field right now for millennials. But point taken that uh, you know uh, millennials are definitely pushing the envelope um, or require incumbents to push the envelope for technology. So you know my one thought about it is you know perhaps apps are not the right experience. Um, you know not everything mm-hmm. has to be an app. If we kind of look at this transition, you know you, uh, talking to my my good friend Paul Moderman is a great thinker on this topic and, and writing books around. UX, but you know, he was just—he gave me this quote where he said, "Look, today apps are really disappearing into the OS, and really the OS is really starting to disappear into devices, and devices are really just becoming part of this augmented reality world." And and you know, one example for truck drivers is, yeah, I mean, an app on a little phone is perhaps not the right experience. Um, you know, I back to the Apple Watch topic. You know, when you've got a watch on and you sort of interact with the watch in such a way that says, hey, give me directions to XYZ location, the watch just basically taps you when you're supposed to turn left and taps you when you're supposed to turn right, or it could talk to you. So, you know, I guess my point just being overall that, um, you know, technology and these solutions are broader than just, just the apps. You know, there's a lot of ways that, you know, we could address these problems and, and uh, you know, a lot of, of possibilities for, for solving these Thank you very much. Uh, Scott, I, in the interest of time, oh, we're just about at the crystal ball predictions part of the show. Uh, Punkhead, I'm going to just weave together a couple comments that are very interesting and to me profound, IMHO, in your notes and just have you take one minute to comment on them. Number one, you say, in many ways, mobile phones have become our hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Uh, we all have this free brain capacity. It'd be interesting to see how smarts are defined in the new world and how we use this power. You also say parents are handing cell phones to their little kids as a pacifier, creating a very early obsession with mobile devices. The kids get hooked very quickly. And you say uh, with mobile phones as our electronic guide, we have lost a sense of serendipity. So Punk Hedge, I'll give you one minute to comment on any or all of the above. Just give us a wrap up here and then we're going to circle back to Gavin for predictions. Go ahead. So from those comments, you would... uh you may guess that I have little kids, so I have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. And um, so it, it's always a question for me when I, you know, teaching them and then they get their assignments from the school. And some of the questions are still, uh, you know, who was born at what time and uh, what date. And these are the questions that have, they were good in a bygone era, but today... Uh, do they really make sense? I mean, I can find that trivia question uh, just by Googling. And that also comes back to who is a smart person? I mean, is it like when I used to remember all these facts or is it uh, that I can solve creative problems quickly? So we will come, we will come face-to-face with these questions uh, uh, in, in the coming future. Um, from the technology, one, one thing that's becoming uh, quite uh, interesting is that these gadgets are coming closer and closer to us. 
And uh, that's what, so for example, now again, the four-year-olds are using because uh, parents want to talk for like five minutes and okay, here's your pacifier. And uh, mm-hmm. I see a future where these gadgets have come so closer to us that they are really embedded in our body. Um, there was a really, really nice book called uh, The Feed. Uh, it, it was for young adults, but uh, I even read it as a you know, 35-year-old. Hardly can be classified as young adult. Uh, but the book was about where a future where these uh, small chips are embedded in, in kids' brains uh, when they are uh, about five or six years old. And these chips are really, like you can say smartphones, you can ask. I mean, now you don't have to touch your smartphone to ask a question. You can just think that um, uh, what was the date of Pearl Harbor. And immediately mm-hmm. the answer will beam in your, in your brain. I mean, it's, the whole conversation is going in your brain. So are we moving towards that uh, future? And I, I definitely see... Uh, if not today, but we are definitely moving uh, towards that future, and uh, that that will be our hitchhiker's guide to galaxy. You know what? You just started us off on the predictions round. You just did the crystal ball opener, so uh, we've taken care of you. So now, Gavin, you can go second. I'm trying to economize on time here. We got four minutes left till we close. So, Gavin P. Quinn at Mindset. What do you see in the crystal ball? Sixty seconds. What's coming up around the year 2020 for mobile technology and our culture, our communications, danger versus delight, cautious versus clueless. Gavin, what do you see? Well, well, per Pekka's comment, you know, maybe I should get a tinfoil hat. I, I hope uh, none of these machines are in my brain. But uh, <laughs> in reality, you know, I think, uh, you know, technology, of, of course, is going to get more delightful and, and just more dangerous. You know, we're, we're more connected now than we ever have. Uh, where I think the most interesting uh, topics are for the next few years, 2020 is not that far away, is really, um, you know, a lot of these chatbots and AI, um, new user experiences are going to solve more of these problems. You know, things are going to move outside of the app realm and more into regular conversation, context, and, and really learning. So um, there's a lot of excitement there in our industry overall, um, and it's really a reality. I mean, there, there's so many great things that we can do there, um, solving problems. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be it. Thank you very much. Scott Stedman, you're the last person standing who didn't give us a prediction. So, Scott, I have, my goodness, Scott, I can give you 90 seconds. I know you're going to use it. Go ahead, Scott Stedman. (laughs) So, for me, I mean, social engineering um, with AI is sort of present today. If you've ever gone shopping on Amazon and seen Facebook show up with all those things that you're already looking at or all of a sudden you start getting emails and all the advertisements and even from your email server or application start showing up with these things where they're picking up on what you've already done. And now if we add to that what Pankaj was saying about, you know, the technology being integrated to us, we're seeing some of this now, I think, within, in dementia patients um, as well as in weight loss control uh, from something similar to like a cochlear ear implant. But you're seeing some of that technology to start to interface with us directly. Now, will this go mainstream by 2020? Probably not. We're not that far away. But I do think that the integration of the device to the car is getting better. Or you mm-hmm. can see on the big screen Apple um, uh, applications showing up directly in most of the cars today. You're seeing sort of the braking um, and some of the, the uh, detection of cars on the side of you 
um, sort of alerts that are happening. I've experienced this um, when I had a rental car in Philadelphia recently. Um, I think it was a Volvo S80, and it had this intelligent um, cruise control, which I fell in love with, and I want that car. But it's, you know, the ability to detect the car in front of you slowing down, and then it slows down for you, but then even the automatic braking yep. and things. Is, is it's sort of getting us ready for that next stage of, you know, the self-driverless car and having us now feel a little bit better about letting the computer take control. Now, I think on top of that, not to branch into another topic about hacking. Two seconds. You've got, so, you got five seconds. Five seconds. Go so ahead. That, that's, that, that's the big next thing for me is how do we now make this all safer beyond the fact of just hacking um, and, and ourselves being our, our own issue. And that, that's Thank me, you. I think, is a crystal ball. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Great insights. Thank you, Gavin Quinn, sir. Gavin P. Quinn, to be exact, at Mindstat. Scott Stedman at SAP and Pankaj Kumar at SAP. And again, a shout out to Brad Borkin for putting together this wonderful panel. Interesting topic, Brad. Thanks for stepping up with this. He's in the UK, but I see his picture here on Twitter. If you want to follow some of the conversation, go to hashtag SAPRADIO. I've been capturing as much as I could. Time for us to say goodbye. I'll be back with two live shows tomorrow. Thank you to Kevin, our engineer at World Talk Radio. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Gavin, just like Scott, just like Punk Edge. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.